0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pixels. This is a show where we cover the news from the gaming world from the past couple of weeks or so. We cover news for PC consoles, mobile even, uh, news from the industry. We try to have an analytical... angle to all of this to understand and explain what's happening on top of of course our impressions uh, on games but today is a little bit different because we're going to be talking with developers from the acclaimed Dead Cells game that came out a few weeks ago. My name is Patrick Beja and uh, I have to say I have fallen in love with uh, Dead Cells. I've played it way more than I should, given the fact that I have a small baby at home. Um, and I, I didn't think I was going to love it so much, but I definitely did. And I don't usually do interviews. I don't love the format. But for uh, Dead Cells, I figured I have to try and talk to to some of the devs because it is such a phenomenon and it's such an interesting game and development and company. So I figured it would be a really interesting conversation. I hope it will be. I know that uh, the, the two people that we have here today are definitely going to be uh, telling us fascinating stuff about the game. So without further ado, let me introduce them. Uh, first, Sébastien Benard, f- who is lead developer and designer on the game. How's it going, Sébastien?
1: Hey, thank you, thank you for inviting us at uh, the show.
0: I'm I'm really happy uh, to have you because you're the lead developer and designer. Uh, of course, you told me before we started that everyone at the company was a lead something, but still, it's still mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot. Lead developer and designer. It sounds
1: really impressive. Um, <laughs> we have a very flat system, so yes, everyone is a lead or or not a lead. You yeah. Um, So actually,
0: that is one of the characteristics of the company. Um, You're a relatively small company. I mean, I think everyone knows Dead Cells and uh, the fact that you're uh, an indie dev, I think, an indie company. And uh, the second person we have on the show today is Thomas Vasseur, who is also lead, lead artist, and uh, co CEO of the company, amazing! Thank you for being on, Thomas. It's, it's nice
2: to meet you. Everybody is co CEO in this company. Shh, actually, don't, don't say that. Don't <laughs> keep that. It's very classic to say. Yeah, it, to looks, say it. it looks nice
1: on business cards. So that's what.
0: Right. That's something we might dive into uh, later in the show. The the structure of the company is really interesting because it's it's a super flat structure, and uh, it's even a special type of uh, legal entity where every employee has equal parts and salary and everything in the company, um, which is surprising. So maybe we'll talk about how that works towards the end of the show. But first, let's talk about the game itself. Um, For people, I mean, I'm sure everyone who has ever listened to this show knows what Dead Cells is because it's been making a lot of noise in the media for the past few weeks and months but maybe uh, could you explain to us what you uh, how you would define that game what is Dead Cells?
1: Uh, actually, we have two definitions for it. Uh, the, we have the bullshit uh, marketing thing, uh, <laughs> which is we call this Roguevania, which is uh, like a mix between uh, roguelite and Castlevania. And for us, it's more like we, we made uh, this game to make actually uh, Castlevania that you just can't replay as much as you want, which is different every time you play. So it's more like uh, this is a really uh, design as a Cas- Castlevania that you can play again and again. Uh,
0: that's what I understood in... Uh, I, I- unlike people might think i do prepare uh my shows and one of the things you said was really interesting basically what you're saying now the intent wasn't to make a roguelike it was to make a, a, a castlevania but because of the budget constraints of an indie developer um you had to make sure it was really replayable and that's when the uh random nature of the levels and the replayability uh uh Acquiring gear and everything when you a- accumulate cells and when you replay it came into play. Um, so it, it was budget constraints, right?
1: Yeah, but it was also the most stupid idea that we ever had because <laughs> making things ra- random like this and procedural and everything, it actually required much more work to actually fine-tune everything so it worked uh, in, in real life. And uh, at the end... Uh
2: we, we had to level design uh, every level uh, in, the, in the game. So we had the worst parts on the two sides, <laughs> generation and design together. <laughs> so you, you think it took actually maybe as much
0: time or almost as much time or maybe more time to, to, to go that route with the randomness?
1: yeah definitely. you know when you as a developer, when you actually decide to make something random, it, it actually takes like maybe one day to make something that works that you that produce a result in any kind of uh, quality. But if you want to have a quality result every time you random uh, generate something, it takes more like few months to actually mm. get your generator right so you 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 have very really, really quick results, and this is a trap actually because you just take a few weeks or months to actually have something good every time you generate something yes yeah.
2: the, the the nice part uh, the nice part of the generation was for the graphic graphics uh, mm-hmm. and the background design because uh, I think it could t- took me a lot of time to put uh, all the details in the de- in the in the background uh, by myself. And uh, our generator do that for me. So mm. did that for me. Sorry, and uh, it was wonderful.
1: <laughs> yes, but it, we we probably spent. I'm not sure. Maybe three or three to six months just uh, making this specific generator. Yes, uh, it was background generator. <laughs>
0: so even the generator that that made this uh, quicker process was like a, a really long time in development.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, how t- how long was development? Because I know you've been in, uh, you were in early access for about a year and a half, I think. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. H- how long was development overall? Um, uh, it depends if you consider just Dead Cells as a Rogue Vanya thing, or if you consider the whole project, which is actually a little bit longer. It's more like four years, something, yes, yes. Uh, because it used to be something really different before. It used to be... The, a, the tower defense... To
0: the tower defense follow up to ro- to horde.
1: Yeah, that was a uh, previous stupid idea that we had, <laughs> and, uh, and actually, when we switched to, we decided to switch to Rogvania. Uh, it took maybe two years and a half. For yes, two two years
2: and a half, and maybe
1: um, one years and a half to to
2: make it on the early access.
1: Yeah,
2: that's you know that's really interesting as well
0: uh, because I, I think. Uh, Part of good development is to try ideas and to know when they're not working and to be able to pivot uh, or to abandon an idea that is really dear to you, maybe sometimes it's, you know, even in in writing, I think a a common... um, uh, teaching of of writers in cinema, among other things, is to be able to kill your babies, meaning that idea that you really love, that you thought was great, to be able to realize that it doesn't work and maybe abandon it or switch to something else. And it feels like what you did with the development of that, what was initially a, a 2D tower defense with a preparation phase and then an action phase uh, was something you really wanted to do, what made you decide that it it just didn't work and you had to switch to something else and abandon, uh, according to what you're saying, I'm guessing maybe a year of ideation and development?
1: Uh, actually, I do like to kill babies, so it's not a crime for me. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the next game. <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, you have to know he's dead now. <laughs> oh, <I'm okay. laughs> I knew that. <laughs>
1: and uh no actually i I, usually i don't have any kind of problem uh, when i cancel something because for me, it's really part of the job, especially when you do game design. Uh, sometimes you have uh, the, the best idea on paper, which looks which looks like the, the, the next great thing. And when you, when you make it, it's really just uh, dumb and not funny at all. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, that's what happened with uh, the previous uh, version of Dead Cells. You know, when, when we make a game, there is this moment when you actually, for example, you are testing something in your game as a developer. You're implementing something, you build your game, and you just run it just to check if your idea works or small thing that you did work. And actually you lose like 40 minutes because you get into the game and you just play and you forget about testing your feature. Mm. And when, when this kind of thing happens, it's actually a good uh, good thing. But on the previous version of the game, that never happened. So at one point we thought, okay, maybe there is something really wrong with the game. So that's why. Mm. And
0: just to give a little bit of context, uh, Motion Twin used to create... Uh, Flash games, free to play flash games on the web, and you were doing that for many years. And when the um, con- the, the industry evolved with smartphones and everything, you pivoted. I mean, free to play and and web games meant a very different thing back then when you were doing it. But that's where you were coming from, and uh, you shifted to uh, PC games or uh, traditional games. For this, this is your first project as a full. I want to say full PC and console games. So, mm-hmm. um, so let's get back before we dive too deep into game design, which we will. But uh, it, as I was saying, I think a lot of people have really fallen in love with the game, and I would say I didn't expect uh, when I first played the game in early access uh, many months ago, when it first released. I thought it was it was going to be good but I didn't think it was going to be that beloved. Um, and I, I want to ask you guys, uh, what did you expect for the game maybe before it came to early access and once it was released, uh, you know, those two stages, was the reaction of the community and the public what you expected? Was it more or less? Uh, how did you react when the, for those two steps, maybe starting with early access?
1: Uh, it was. It was not something that we expected. Like at all, because uh, wh- you know when we went to our early access, it was uh, the company was not in a great shape, so it was really necessary for us to go live and to actually start selling again. So we are not very, we were not very comfortable with this idea at this point, and especially because everyone was talking about this in the apocalypse and everything, mm-hmm. and so before, right before the early access, we actually um, drawn on a on a oh, on a whiteboard uh, or. Uh, estimation on sales and, and ops and everything so it was really more like uh, the, the the smallest one it was uh, 10, 10, 10, 000. 10 000 units be, because it was really the minimum that we would require to just survive it, it
2: was the marketer uh, estimation
1: by the <laughs> 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 and, uh, for, for most, it was maybe around 30 to 60,000 units. No, no more than And this. me,
2: uh, I, I bet on, the 100, uh, 100,000. Uh, it, it, may be very presumptuous, but, uh, I always believe in this project because I, I've played a lot, uh, of, um, with, uh, with the Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And, um, uh, Sebastian make, uh, make a game with me and, uh, when i played it i um i never played a game like this before mm. and i was pretty sure it, it would be a success i didn't i did not i did not know uh how how many people could play it but uh i was pretty sure it could it could work for us
1: <laughs> but uh, even uh, with the highest estimation actually it was really f- much much bigger than we expected and uh, it was really it took it took us by surprise because we we really even if uh, if we really hoped uh, to to be uh, quite a success we didn't thought it would be mm. this much uh, success. Mm.
2: I uh, I was very surprised uh, now uh, how many uh, people play uh, play Dead Cells right now uh, one year after the uh, mm. the early access. That that is the very uh, impressive uh, part.
0: Mm. Well. I guess the 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 actual release of the game was the moment when everyone jumped in. I mean, you sold a lot of them. I'm guessing you don't talk about numbers. We've seen estimations on Steam Spy and stuff like that. But
2: oh. yeah, we 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 can uh, we could uh, talk about it. There is no problem about. This. Oh sure, maybe. So, I'll- the, the exception is maybe the console
0: market because we... Um, ah, that's what, I, yeah, that well, that's what it, what's interesting. I mean, everyone has <laughs> Team
1: Spy numbers. Actually, <laughs> so, uh, we can talk about it because even if I can, because also I can't remember the number right now, but we can say how they compare, especially, uh, and okay. everyone knows it uh, like a, a small secret, but uh, everyone knows that the switch does perform much, much better than anyone else.
0: Right. And that's the case for you as well. I guess for these kinds of games, when people have a choice between PS4 or Switch, uh, they usually get it on Switch, which is what I did to have the advantage of being able to play it wherever. Um, but it it reflects for your sale numbers as well.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's maybe like five times more on Switch or something like this. Yes, it is. Wow. Yeah, five. So it's really different. Uh, you, you're right because uh, we we designed this game as a run-based game, so you can play it for like one hour or less. So it's really made for for takeaway. So if you want to have it in your pocket, it's it's always better.
0: Mm. Um, so numbers-wise, um, what are the? I think the Steam Spy numbers were two hundred and fifty thousand after one year or the access. Maybe I'm mistaken. Um,
1: hundred. Uh, after one year, no, it was more like... Uh, uh, so. je crois qu'on est, um, uh, maybe it was know, seven, know, 700, 700 or thousand. Oh, wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> so basically, you're all swimming in money, which is great. I think you deserve it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I guess that we can talk about that as well at some point. But that changes, especially for a company like yours, where it's just... There is no discussion of who gets bonuses and who contributed the most. It's just everyone gets their share. If there's, you know, 12 employees, you split the thing in 12 and everyone gets their share. Um, it, it makes things, I guess, if some people think they contributed more, they might be a bit salty. But when you get into it, you know that this is what you're going to get. And it, it makes things easier, I suppose. But... Um,
1: yeah, definitely when you don't have to talk about, uh, how you contributed to the project maybe if you, even if you have a small contribution to the project, it doesn't mean that uh, if you remove this contribution the project will probably collapse because even if, it's, if for example, the sound it's not um, uh, something which is uh, which takes as long as the development, but if you remove the sound, the game just uh, doesn't work. So it's really not a matter about how much time you did put in the project, but more like uh, um, what makes the project actually work. So it can even small Things are important. We uh, all know that. Yeah. And um, the the this is
2: a very uh, complicated process for us to hire someone. Um, you, you have to know when we hire someone, we are always looking for someone uh, better than us. So uh, because because it assure us that he, he will. Uh, uh, how do you say? Uh, he merits. He He will deserve his, his share because he's better than us. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, so an interesting way of very, looking very, at very it. Very hard yeah. for us to hire someone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and and I think when you started talking about the structure of the company, you also uh, acknowledged that this probably only works with a relatively small structure. Um, so, I'm guessing the the small structure is something you're attached to. You you again, I'm guessing, but you wouldn't want to grow to a much bigger company, or you would have to change something. I guess.
1: Yeah, we, we did try to grow years ago. We went until maybe 20 people. And, but that was not the greatest experience that we have at Motion Twin. And if we really want to keep exactly the same system and same gameplay, company gameplay, we actually uh, have to stick to small numbers. But for us, it's fine because we think if you optimize uh, stuff, you can actually make big things even there is very few people. And for example, the, the art of dead cells and the, all the animals animation. It was really, everything was done by two, just two people. And for, but that's because we really optimized the process and we had to figure out uh, new ways to do, to do things. But that's also part of the fun. So that's fine for us. Mm. I guess
0: that, that's, Dead Cells feels like a game that could not have been made by a less experienced company. It, it feels like there's enough uh, familiarity in the production pipeline and process, uh, to tackle the challenges of the new parts of, of the development, things that you had to create. Um, and you mentioned, I do want to ask more about uh, the game in general, but since you mentioned uh, the graphical aspects and, you know, we have a, the lead artist, uh, not just an artist, uh, <laughs> l- let's talk about the graphics for for a second because it is retro-pixelated, But my understanding is that this is actually a 3D engine which is uh, underlying the the graphics process. And this is why we get such the iconic uh, 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 pixel graphics, but with smooth animation, right?
2: Yes, uh, you have to know that uh, our process on Dead Cells uh, is not different than uh, the Donkey Kong uh, Kong Country process process uh, which is a very old game you just <laughs> okay. use old uh, process to to do this but uh, you mean the 3d yes. 3d rendering and then you yeah, create yeah, the, the sprites pro- out I of the, two, yeah yes in order to animate uh, characters because um, i tried uh, maybe uh we we did uh, a few games with uh, with sebastian before dead cells and i try uh, uh, animation uh, by hand and it was very long <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh we we really wish to to make a game uh um, uh bigger than uh Castlevania symphony of the night <laughs> uh and uh, this game has uh, 100 uh, uh, monsters and characters and uh, uh we we really we really needed uh, to figure out uh how to do this right so how what made you think so
0: again if i understand right to explain to people who might not know the the old donkey kong you create the models in 3d you apply the the shaders and and whatever and then you actually kind of print the the sprites each individual uh step of animation but you use the 2d models the 2d printed quote-unquote um well I, i'm saying printed that's not correct but you create images uh, for each step of animation and the actual game the executable that you play on your console doesn't have a 3d engine it just uses those 2d um uh, uh bitmaps for the game right like a traditional 2d game
1: Exactly. Uh, yeah. the, the game is actually in three D, uh, technically speaking. But yes, it's exactly the process that you explained. Yeah.
2: Uh, at the beginning, I was very afraid that uh, that uh, our gamers will see uh, the process b- behind the, the render. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, um, I, I planned uh, um, initially. I planned to to delete some frames to to make it uh, looks uh, more two D. And. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we did not. Uh, uh, I, I did not have time to do that, so we put uh, a demo uh, very early, uh, mm. and uh, the player said, "Oh, it's very smooth. It's very fluid." Yeah. And uh, I, ne- I never, I never uh, cropped the animation. Uh, mm. uh,
1: uh, we d- we do use a small trick uh, actually that made everything possible. It was uh, Thomas' idea at the beginning. But uh, you know, when you make a new character in a game, usually you just make a concept art, and then you make the three D model out of it and uh, uh, in this case in dead sets we actually thomas actually produced the concept art of the the character in pixel art so it's really the the, the right size that will it will appear in, appear in the game so when he makes a 3d model out of this concept art we can make sure that if there is a one pixel detail like a belt or uh, the eyes or anything like this which is really small he can actually make the polygons uh, the the right size so when they will turn back into 2d after they will actually appear properly in game as one pixel things. yeah
2: and uh, the truth is i'm not very happy with the the render of characters but um <laughs> i i am <I>, um, <laughs> because you can you can see games like uh, old boy or uh, other game like this uh, with very detailed characters but for Dead Cells so we really need to have a, a very snappy animation and uh, the better tool for me to, anim- to to do a good animation was 3D, and uh, you can see this uh, in the lastest uh, um, Dragon Ball Fighters right. or uh, uh, Guilty Gear X 3 Third. I think yeah. uh, the, the, the those two games really um, impress impress me impresses me. <laughs> so uh, we I really wish to do the same. <laughs> but, but those have like anime type. Graphics, obviously
0: you went the route of of, uh, pixelated graphics, so I don't know that you could have done something, you know, comparable. Or are you saying you would have liked to try
2: your hand at a uh, non-pixelated version? Uh, No, no, I really wanted to make it in pixels, but I I really wish uh, our characters could be very much uh, more detailed mm. and uh, our shapes are, are very simple and uh, because uh, small object in 3D uh, did not uh, render very well. I see. Well, you know, you can always keep the idea for Dead Cells
0: too. That's fine. Or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, l- let's go back to the game as a whole. Um, what would you say each of you makes this game a, a good game? You know, let's not go into hyperbole. Let's not go into, you know, it's a great game. It's an awesome, like, what would you say makes this game just a good game, a game that people want to play um, and that is successful from a, you know, design and and enjoyment standpoint?
1: Uh, Actually, recently I was giving a talk uh, about this specific topic. And uh, it's it's really pretentious because it's like, okay, this is why our game is so good. (laughs) (laughs) um, that's something that we, uh, I, I took uh, from the reviews, you know, on Steam. And it's funny because when you read uh, the pos- positive reviews of the game, most of them actually, they don't talk about the Rogue thing. They don't talk about the, the roguelike and everything. They, they do talk about it. But the first, first thing they do say most of the time, like most reviews do say that is uh, the controls and the gameplay is smooth. Yeah. And uh, that's also something that we actually feel when you when we go on events like Gamescom or Tokyo Game Show and uh, when you, we give the controller to someone in after five seconds, he says, hmm, nice. And it actually plays right. And that's something for me uh, as a game designer. Uh, I'm really proud of this because. Uh, I, I think it's it's part of the, the, the reason that people do like this game because it, it do plays quite right. It, it's still difficult, but it's not difficult because the controls are awful. And yes, I'm looking at you, Rogue Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> but I, I do love Rogue Legacy, was a, a huge, uh, very important example for us uh, it, for, for the flow, but also for all its good ideas. So that's not uh, me trolling. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah you know you, you know it was for, for me it really is uh, the control that made uh, the things easier and allowed uh, to to reach a broader audience mm. you know
0: i i i worked for a few years at uh, blizzard and i love their games uh, i was in a, a bullshit artist at blizzard as well i was a pr uh, manager and i think you call your marketing and pr people bullshit artists so that's why i'm saying that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, Blizzard is a company that attaches a huge amount of importance to the core gameplay. L- the, literally, one of their tenants is gameplay first. That is why they 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 what they uh, uh, care about the most and what they craft the most carefully. I think um, was that also the intent when you started the game? Like, was that intentionally? Um, uh, designed from the get-go or did you fall into it thinking okay the game works like this like this and we need a core gameplay loop which is satisfactory for this game to work or you know was it intentional or did you fall into it i guess
1: Um, i'm I'm more like a nazi when it's about everything which is smoothness and uh, okay Game sure. field, game, uh, yes game feel exactly that's the world and um i i do believe that even at the prototype phase the, the game should be fun because uh, you know it, yes it's a rogvania yes it's a roguelite uh, yes you have crafting yeah you can unlock things this is not the game actually this is the unique selling points and the global stuff of the game but the game is just all about jumping and killing mobs it's really right. just about that if you if you intend to do a game, and I think Blizzard does the same thing. If you're a game about killing things or jumping, you should really make sure that the jumping is actually fun, and you and you just have fun just traversing the, the level. So. So that's really for for me. It's really uh, it was something that um, I I I cannot uh, leave something which is uh, not uh, not perfect because you cannot make perfect things, but uh, as good as possible. Especially when you talk about controls. Mm-hmm. I
0: I love the analogy with jumping because of course uh, uh, Mario comes to mind, and the the simple <laughs> act of jumping is enjoyable in that game, and that's what you do for most of those games. And I can't mm-hmm. imagine how much time the developers at nintendo agonized over the exact control scheme and and how the millisecond of jumping and resting and landing and everything took what how much time did you spend on those things like is there i don't know maybe an anecdote of something that didn't feel quite right and you didn't know why and you spent like the whole night at the office you know perfecting that one aspect of a role or something is there something like that you can tell us about
1: Uh, Sure, there there are many things. Uh, Actually, the the, the part that took me the most time, and I think it's still taking me time today, uh, it's really everything which is related to ledge grabbing on platforms. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, I do spend a huge amount of time making sure uh, when you jump between two platforms, actually, uh, when you arrive or you almost miss uh, the platform uh, at the end, uh, I, I think I have about Ten different things that could happen at this point. Maybe you just missed uh, from few pixels. Maybe you are just beneath the, pi- the platform. Maybe you are above, but uh, you, you there is an enemy nearby, so you want to attack right away. And you have many uh, scenarios when uh, this uh, when you, you you land on a platform. And I, I, I did spend, I don't think months, uh, just making all the the the, the use case <laughs> for this and implementing ways to, to grab or jump or teleport you uh, in uh, where you thought you would land. Uh, not exactly where you actually are, but more like when you expected to land. And it was uh, the most difficult part because uh, it's really about um, actually understanding what you, the player is, is trying to do, but he failed. So you just are trying to cheat and make sure actually he succeeds. <laughs> right, right.
2: Actually, the, the character uh, snaps on platform.
1: Mm, yeah. And uh, it's, it's on one or two pixels, maybe? Yeah, something like this. And uh, when you, for example, when you miss a platform, there are um, maybe three or four different situations where I just teleport you on the platform because I know what you are trying to do. <laughs> okay, we don't care because that's not the point in the game. It's, we just want, we, it's not it's a good feeling when you miss a platform in a game. So every time
0: you jump to a platform there's actually some computation that happens to resolve the result of your jump uh at the last yeah. second to make sure to, and sure. that decides yes this time we're going to snap you to it or this time we're not going to or so That's,
1: it's it's I not just it yeah so, sorry, there is actually a small thing that uh, I left in the game. It used to be um, debug feedback for me, it, but uh, it's still there. And actually, when you are teleported on a platform, I just uh, pop a few a small smoke under your feet when you are jumping between two platforms and you just reach the, the, the ledge of the platform. And when you are teleported, you have a small smoke pop that uh, pops up on your feet. And when you see that, it's actually something happened. <laughs>
0: oh, nice. Okay. So that means if you see that, then you shouldn't have landed on the platform, but we put you there because we're nice. Um, what about you Thomas what would you say uh, makes it a good game, maybe it's the same core gameplay loop but uh, what's your your take on it
2: Um, uh, I will say that uh, what uh, Sebastian uh, often says, I think uh, we target to make a good uh, Castlevania and uh, I think today a good Castlevania is a Castlevania as you remembered so Mm. Um, we we did not try to make uh, uh, this game like uh, we did game uh, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, yes, uh, I think uh, that that's uh, that's the point that make that Cells a, a
1: good a good game. <laughs> it's, it's really make make things as you remember and not as they were because they, they were not that great <laughs> by this time. That, that's a really interesting point,
0: actually, especially since we have so many uh, so much nostalgia happening and. I think a lot of people, it's always happened, but especially now, a lot of people say they want games from their childhoods. Uh, it's the case everywhere. You know, you have remakes all the time, not remakes, but remasters. And there are a few rare occasions where the games hold up when you had some really uh, incredible game design at the time. But most, most of the time, the thing that people say they, they want isn't the what they really want um so it, does that apply to a lot of the that part of the industry nowadays or is it something that is i don't know a more occasional thing what what do you think about that aspect of nostalgia today
1: uh you are you know, actually on point when you say that because you know about for example i'm a huge fan of daggerfall which is um, elder scrolls 2 mm-hmm. um I, I, for me it's one of the best games ever but uh, i know I don't want to play Daggerfall again today. I just want to play Skyrim. <laughs> <And> right. <laughs> the, the because it's really all about the feeling that the, the game gave me at this time. It was, uh, you know, the huge world map and everything. And actually, it's really not about the game, how it was. And I did play again Daggerfall a few weeks ago. And it's really, okay, it's, it's nice and everything, but no, it's not a game that I can't play anymore. Mm. And I think, yes, when you are trying to make a game today, especially if you want to go for retro or pixel art or, or this kind of thing, if you want to, to make some kind of tribute to uh, an old game, you should really not do the same thing. You should just, okay, grab the feeling and understand what was a good feeling uh, that this game gave you and uh, not not do the same thing. Uh, there is a good example. I, I do love Wonder Boy. You know, some Super Wonder Boy in Monsterland. Um, on a, it was on Atari ST or something. Um, uh, maybe Master but- System. Uh, yeah, Genesis it, it, it yeah. It, You're right, and um, and they they did make uh, a new Wonder Boy a few years ago, and uh, when you can you you can switch between the old game and the new uh, new game. And actually, it's just uh, a, a graphical remake. It's the controls are the same, and the controls are bad because uh, mm. the, the game is really great, but the controls is really like in the 80s, and uh, we we don't want to play this kind of game anymore. There are so many things that did evolve. We we know that double jump in 2D games is really important. We know many things that make actually gameplay just better. And it's really not about making yes games as they were. And I think that's that uh, as a player, it's really something that uh, I, I'm a little bit pissed off to see in the modern games. They, they do exactly uh, as how it was and they also take all the, the bad things uh, with it. Uh, the, the double jump is, a, I want
0: to ask you more about this, but the double jump is a great example because it. it you could make one jump longer, um, you could give the, the second jump at some point through, through the game, make it a power, but it feels like many, many games have double jump from the get-go, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. why, because as I said, mechanically you could make the one jump reach uh, as far, but it's the... What do you think as a designer? It's the feeling of pressing the button twice, which is positive feedback for the player? Why is that?
1: So, uh, in fact, when you have a double jump, there is um, a great analysis uh, uh, on this. Um, I don't remember. It was on a video on YouTube. And actually, the double jump is more like uh, you move the decision process of the player. You, you split this decision process into. So mm-hmm. when you decide to jump between two platforms, you don't have to anticipate like everything and make sure that your jump is right at the uh, beginning. You can actually make uh, a somewhat approximative jump, and then you can adjust uh, in mid-air. And that's really uh, what uh, the um, double jump is all about. It's not about um, a poor uh, player feature, it's really more a quality of life feature. It allows uh, the jump to actually be slightly easier, because even if it's the same range, you can actually make um, a less precise jump at the beginning, and you can adjust mid-air. That's why it's actually, uh, for me, that's not something in any game I would uh, lock at the beginning. I would just, because it's really just quality of life. And it's when a, you it's a core it,
0: feature of, of traversal for the game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is another really uh, not well-known example of this you know when you, um, on a platform game, when you are about to jump at the end of a platform you just want to jump away and uh, if you if uh, in our game for example and that's something that uh, is also done in very uh, various games when you are leaving the platform you can actually jump even if you are in uh, on, on the, um, above the um, you, you have left the platform but you still can jump for maybe one or two frames after leaving the platform right. and it's a very small detail but if you don't have that, it forces the player unconsciously to actually anticipate everything. And actually he jumps, uh, um, he makes shorter jump because he has always have to jump before the end of the platform. And... This is a game for, the same for me, it's really a, a small detail that makes the jump, it's, it's the same thing in the end, you can make the jump the same length, but uh, it's really a quality of life detail, and the double jump is really uh, all of, all that for me. If it's not a, a, jump, a game about jumping, which is not like a traversal game, or a dust force, or this kind of game, if the game is not about jumping, uh, you should not make ju- the jumping thing difficult, there's no reason for it.
0: So, yeah, I, I was going to ask what kind of things did you do to get closer to the mem- the, the uh, nostalgia and the memory of how Castlevania was rather than making an actual Castlevania? I guess those are two examples, the double jump and the ledge jump. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the two frames you can still jump when you're off the ledge mm-hmm. and things like that. Are, do you have any other examples, um, you or Thomas, uh, about Making sure you get close to the memory of the game and not the actual game.
2: Um, I think a good example, but it's it's uh, the Sebastian works. But uh, when uh, you target an enemy, and uh, when you kill you kill him, and there is an enemy uh, in your back, your character uh, automatically uh, um, flip on on himself to, ah. to aim the. And this is not an input uh, of the gamer to do that. So it it, it makes the, the game feel very uh, very uh, f- uh, fluid. Um, this, this the, the, the Dead Cells is uh, is a uh, is the best off of uh, of this kind of things.
1: <laughs> yeah. we we do have tons of many hidden tricks like this to make sure that actually uh, you you succeed in doing what you're expected to do, <laughs> like uh, eating the enemy. And, I, I didn't, I never noticed. Does it really, how close does the
0: enemy have to be to for you to, to turn around to face him?
1: It, it depends on the weapon, but it, it, I don't think it works on uh, ranged weapons for, mm-hmm. from what I remember. But uh, for a close combat weapon, actually, if you are in range, you should actually turn around. That's... But I, I'm... I, 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 I almost don't believe you. If you weren't the
0: actual <laughs> designer of the game, I would not believe you. i never noticed it. It must be. It must feel so natural that I didn't even my brain didn't register it. That's crazy. Yeah, because,
1: because you're, when you when you play, actually your brain wants to turn. <laughs> so yeah. you you do the move maybe uh, maybe a few frames too late, so you maybe attack then turn, but because we 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 uh, we saw you attacked something there is no one on your right and there is someone on your on your left so, uh, also, again there is no reason for not turning you yeah. uh, to the enemy it's
0: it's really interesting because all of those small things I'm sure many games implement these things um that we don't realize, but it makes the game feel smooth and natural and there's I guess a limit because it almost I mean it doesn't play the game for you but it does some actions for you that they in the game interprets as something you wanted to do but didn't manage to do so arguably it would make the game easier but obviously Dead Cells is not an easy game uh, at all so it's interesting to see that limit there of making it a quality of life and not actually making the game not literally playing the game for you it's it's very did you ever think well maybe we shouldn't do that because it it betrays the purity you know of of a, an actual game or did no, you ever no, think uh, we should yeah
2: i think not uh, we knew that uh, the difficulty of the game uh, um, uh, should should come from the the role uh, mechanics so we want, we wanted the player role at the right time and this is the only thing we want him to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh, there is no reason to make, to make difficulties come from uh, other things mm.
0: Mm. i see
2: um okay so let's get back to early access for a second
0: um Early access had almost become, I think, in, in 2018, almost an uh, uh, an ugly word um, because so many people were burned by early access games or even Kickstarter games that didn't uh, uh, fulfill their promises. But there were a few games, I think, um, uh, Hollow Knight or a few others come to mind and, and yours, of course, which had a, a very successful, well, I think Hollow Knight was Kickstarter, not Early Access, but uh, yours was Early Access, and it was a very successful Early Access. People were happy about it, even from the beginning, and and uh, kept following the development of the game, and finally, when the game released, not 15 years after, but a year, maybe a year and a half after the Early Access began, I think a year and a half, um, people were happy to have supported it, and were happy that it came out, and myself, I bought it in Early Access and rebought it on the Switch because, as we mentioned, every game like this is better on the Switch. Um, what do you think made this Early Access development uh, a success?
1: Uh, there was a talk recently from the guy. Uh, it was at Taipei. Uh, the guy from Subnautica, and for us, uh, this game actually uh, was uh, was a really good example on how to make uh, early access uh, in the in the right way. And we, as I said, when we went to early access, we are not we were not really confident because we knew that there was in the apocalypse, and everyone was shitting uh, on early access and. So it was really not uh, not an easy move for us because we we knew that we could fail like uh, um, a lot <laughs> if we didn't do the right thing. But this guy from Somnathia he said something uh, in, the, in his talk which was you should consider early access on Kickstarter on every kind of thing uh, as a as a show. And uh, and actually, Early Access is a show for uh, for the um, developer because you actually, you still have to make your game, but you also have to um, make sort you mean, of
0: Do you mean a trade show, like where you're presenting your game to the public? Is that in that sense?
1: It's more like a, a TV show. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, okay. Uh, ma- making sure interesting things happens uh, on a re- regular basis and ah. make sure that your game doesn't uh, go undercover for months or anything like this. You you should really consider when you go to early access. Uh, you, it's really important to consider that there is, there should be someone full time working on making sure that uh, the early access is actually uh, publishing and having new things to to to, to show uh, on a really regular basis. And um, I think uh,
2: there is a key um, to to succeed in early access is um, you can you can uh, you can ship your game uh, unfinished. But uh, I think if you ship your game unfinished, it has to be uh, perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. The even if the the content is poor, uh, if the content is uh, with the good uh, came, come with the good quality, uh, mm-hmm. I think you, you can succeed uh, on early access. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of games that that, uh, that come on early access. It's not finished, and the, the controls are bad or unfinished too. Um we, we we choose to 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 ship our game in early access with only uh, two bosses and uh, maybe uh, four, four levels, five maybe, five levels. Yeah. but uh, we really wanted that uh, this uh, this part of the game uh, is considered as a vertical slice with the final quality of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like that, uh, players that uh, early adopters could, could see what the games could uh, could be at the end. I see, and and that was really
0: the intent. You you didn't want to launch the early access until I guess when you say that the game is good, it means that the core mechanics of combat and rolling and all of this were almost finished. So the prototyping phase was the the a big uh, uh, part of the pre early access development.
2: Correct.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes.
2: So and, uh, it- yes. Uh- it's it's funny because we uh, I talked uh, a lot uh, about uh, uh, pro- prototype uh, with uh, with my friend uh, Gwenel uh, which is my uh, my uh, right arm in graphic design mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I, I told him that uh, the prototype is not uh, sufficient uh, enough. Uh, is not enough mm-hmm. uh, the vertical slice is is, uh, is really the the, the milestone uh, you need uh, to know uh, if you or if your game uh, is good to to ship,
1: Mm-mm.
0: and four or five biomes, I think you call them, is is a big portion of the game. I mean, you have how many now? Ten, fifteen? Um, I think twelve, thirteen,
1: something like this. Mm.
0: How many? Sorry, I didn't hear.
1: Uh, t- uh, 12 or 14,
0: I'm not sure. Right, so that is a third of the game. And if it is uh, playable, as the final product will be, you have a lot of enemies in it and it's it's a huge part of the game already finished. Then you, quote unquote, only have to add um, new biomes. Uh, maybe you have to add new weapons and refine the mechanics of each weapon, make sure it's fun. But it feels like maybe this is a misunderstanding of how game development works which is very uh possible but it feels like it's almost the adding content and polish phase um and and the 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 core game is essentially finished before you went to early access
1: That's what we thought when we went to early access because Ah. (laughs) uh, the marketing guys said uh, we should really consider, and it was a very important point, we should consider the early access as the release date. So um, we knew knew that when we went on early access, uh, it was really important to make sure that everything was final quality uh, as much as possible. And uh, of course, we didn't have all the content, but it was really important to make sure that the product that we wanted to show to players was actually really close to the final game. And, um, and of course, uh, you know, when you say a Kickstarter today, and when you talk about funding. Uh, It's really like uh, not a secret for anyone, but uh, it's not a funding, it's just a marketing, it's part of the marketing to go on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. When you have something that you want to show on Kickstarter, uh, it's really almost a finished product and you just want to have um, some kind of buzzword on the Internet. Uh, So that's why you you go. And Early Access, we we thought it would be the same. We thought it would be like uh, just a a first release before the second big one. But uh, actually, during the Early Access, we actually changed so, so many things in the game and the gameplay and the core loops and everything. So it actually, it was a very different process because, uh, yes, we wanted to have quality at first, but we thought we would not change gameplay, but we did it's,
0: it's interesting because, again, I, my point of comparison I have is, is Blizzard for reasons that the audience, uh, uh, I think, understands. But I've always felt like the development process at Blizzard was that they would finish the game, then polish it for an extra year or maybe longer, and then release it. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that early, you know, everyone knows when you get into a a Blizzard game, um, open beta or even closed beta rather, the game is essentially finished and then they add content and polish. And sometimes there are a lot of features that change, but um, it's it's usually the game is very playable from the the early uh closed beta process would you say that this is a good if you can afford it if you can do it a good development intent to essentially consider the game finished and then add an extra year to to really finish it afterwards but really have that target of the finished development a year before you're going to release
1: Uh, I don't think it's a good thing because (laughs) uh, I think it's a good thing because it does work like this and uh, players are are okay with this idea today. Um, uh, But I don't think it's a good thing because it's really about uh, making sure that when you buy an early access game or uh, whatever access game, um, it's really about making sure that the player actually understands that the game is not finished and it will probably change. And uh, the system is done now. That uh, it's not that obvious. You can buy an early access game as easily when as a finished finished title. Um, so for me, it's, uh, as a game designer, it's a little bit more difficult because I know if I want, if I if I have a game that and I, I show it live anywhere, I know it has to be properly finished because uh, i know that the reviews many few people uh, player will say okay that's okay the game is not finished so I, I won't post a bad review or anything but you have also many many people that will just blacklist the game because okay it's not it's not play it's not fun something is missing the performances are, are bad or whatever and so that- that's the issue for me I I
0: actually maybe I um, didn't explain it right, but what I meant was an internal. Even if you don't have early access or open beta or anything like internally for the development process, is it good to think we should finish the game and then keep developing it without talking about it to
1: anyone for another year? Oh. Um, ah, okay. Uh, sorry, uh, that, that's frustrating because you know when you are making a game, you just when when you're ready, you just want to show it. <laughs> so yeah, that's really. Uh, <laughs> Mm. But uh, it really depends on the project. Uh, For example, Mm. for Dead Cell, was not an issue because we knew it was it's an action game Uh, there was no narration or not not that much so you don't have uh, many things to to learn from the game except the gameplay and uh, skills Um, so it was not a problem to actually show the game in an early stage uh, like during the early early access but for example for a really uh, heavily narrative driven game or something like this it's really different because you, you cannot show the game until it's perfect because you know if you do that too early, you will spoil your game. Mm-hmm. So on your story, on your surprise, on uh, the content of your game, a game like uh, Hellblade, for example, it, there is no way for it to go on early access because you just can't <laughs> cannot right. do that. Except you just want to test the combat system, but it will give uh, the game a bad uh, images. Image, um, uh, oh, how to say I'm that? Bad feeling. Bad feeling. Uh, yes, yeah. because it's, it's not a game about combat. It's a game about um, schizophrenia. Uh, so. It really depends on the game. If you're on an action game, a roguelite, on everything, it's okay. But if you're on a narrative, narration-based game, that's a different story.
0: Um, So, yeah, you were talking about the fact that you need even in early access to have things that happen. And I noticed that during your early access, you had like patch and patch notes that were marketed um, you had like different names I, of course i'm I'm French, so the baguette update mm-hmm. is is one <laughs> that uh <laughs> stuck in my mind, but it was really uh, uh, you you looked at it like a live game uh updates with exciting things for each update that you would put forward for people to stay excited about the the game.
1: Exactly, yes. When we we built, uh, it, it was also something that we took from Subnautica, but when we built uh, the different updates and each uh, updates we decided to go, at the beginning we thought we would go for one update each month, but mm. quickly it was really just not possible to do that because we're a small team. So we decided to go for something which were more like an update every two or three months a major update, and each update uh, uh, we wanted it to have some kind of, uh, also similar to Blizzard and uh, World of Warcraft updates, and um, uh, each update should have something to, some kind of story to tell, and so it was, we wanted to change something important in each update, and sure, making sure it feels like more um, a DLC to the game, more like a, just a patch.
0: Um, you guys also talk about the importance of the Chinese translation often. I want to ask you about that for a second. Um, mm-hmm. you, you ended up translating the game in Chinese a few weeks uh, before the release of the Early Access. And almost as, a, as an afterthought, um, how important was it to have the game available in Chinese?
2: Uh, at the beginning, we didn't know that uh, it will be so important uh on our uh, our cells, um, it, it's uh, it's the the hazard because some someone gives us uh, a Chinese uh, traduction of the game, and uh, we say okay, uh, we will put it in the game. But um, there is there is uh, other thing. Um, our marketer said that uh, there there is a um, a problem with uh, with games uh, uh, which 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 are not uh, um, in uh, in a Chinese language is that Chinese people play a lot on uh, Steam and could uh, put bad reviews on our games uh, on our on dead cells if uh, if there is no
1: Chinese in it. Yeah, you, we, we we did get tons of bad reviews which are just not Chinese written in Chinese, and uh, right. and this is a review even if you do translate the game after after a while. Uh, it actually doesn't change anything. They, they they do stick to their initial review. So that was also um, not a good reason for doing this. But yes, we are quite afraid of bad reviews at this point. And we, we thought it would be stupid not to do the Chinese version because it's yes, just a matter of a few weeks. And uh, actually, and we didn't know how important it would be at this point.
0: How, how much work is it to add a Chinese version given the fact that it's a different, you know, uh, character set and I guess the coding. Maybe it's already included in in uh, development tools nowadays, so it doesn't matter that it's ca- uh, Chinese characters. But how difficult was it? It's only a few weeks, but
1: uh it was quite a challenge because uh, you know the, the the texture for the Chinese character. It's actually the biggest. Uh it's a 4k texture yeah it's I... a 4k or, or, more <laughs> or something so you have so many different ch- chinese characters and also we wanted at this point we wanted a, a pixel art uh, font mm. and actually we gave up on this idea i think uh, but now it's a, it's more like a hd font but uh, yes it was a difficult thing because uh, it the translation was something and um, but uh, the technical issues are, uh, we d- we did have many of them unfortunately the text reads f- uh, left to right i think mm-hmm. yes yeah, so we didn't have to do anything too fancy uh, about displaying text in the game is, but, is uh, the game uh, it- oh go ahead sorry Oh, sorry. Uh, but, but because it was on Steam, we didn't uh, have to do um, more than just translating the game. We didn't have to uh, you know, comply with the very specific Chinese rules about the, 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 the red colors and skeletons and a few things like this. Uh, so we, because it was on Steam, it was a little bit uh, easier to actually make the Chinese version. It was possible to do that in a short uh, delay.
0: Sorry, I missed it. Uh, you said you didn't have to comply with uh, the skeleton issues because culturally in China you're not supposed to uh, display the bones because it has well cultural <laughs> implications. So you didn't have to comply with those. You said,
1: yeah, because uh, on Steam it's uh, they, they are in the gray zone for uh, for China. It's something that is changing now today, but say mm-hmm. uh, they- they actually do sell game in China, but that don't, that don't comply completely. But now we are working on a full proper Chinese version because we want to do it properly. But it was really not possible to do it in a very short delay. We, we actually, we have been working on it for a few months, maybe, I'm not sure, mm. weeks or months. And uh, so it, it, it do take quite a lot of time to actually comply to everything. But uh, at at this time, it was just about translating the game, and and that was it. Mm -hmm.
2: And there is not uh, only the skeleton issue. Uh, We can't uh, display uh, red uh, Mm -hmm. as as we want in the game. Uh, So if you make a red flag, uh, it's forbidden. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Um,
0: So uh, trying to start to wrap things up a little bit, um, what would you say say to, to devs uh, that are starting out? What are the the most important things they should pay attention to when developing maybe their first or second game and, and trying to get a project off the ground?
1: Uh, I think I would give them two tips, uh, the first one would be just make sure, uh, as we talked a lot about core loops, but make sure that your core loops, and what I call core loops is actually the things that your player will do from the beginning to the end, so just jumping and killing enemies for example, make sure that your core loops are good, almost perfect, as good as possible. And uh, the second thing would be to, um, it's not about releasing a game, it's uh, actually making sure that you can uh, make another one. And uh, because you know, when you make a game, especially if it's it's your first one, there is um, so many people, there are so many people that actually do burn all their energy uh, just making this game. And uh, and when they they reach reach the release date, they actually are exhausted and they, and they they don't know at this Point that they do have to work for, on the game for maybe a few months after. Mm-hmm. So, so the release yes, is not failure. the
0: end of the game, of the development. Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, the release is maybe like the two thirds of the game something yeah. like this uh, the the life uh, span of the game but uh, for, yes i would just summarize this as uh, make sure when you release the game make sure that you actually try to make a second game and when you make the second game make sure that you're trying to make a third game because it's really all about sparing your energy to actually survive this process and being able to be still there for the the next game
2: yeah. and uh, i think there is a, another thing. Uh... Um, uh, making a good game is not enough you you can you can believe that your game will work uh, without any uh, marketing effort yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do marketing it's not
1: a dirty do thing marketing
2: <laughs> is not a dirty thing yes you
0: know I'm really I, I, I was really stricken by the uh, practicality of your approach to everything and everything I've heard and every, like marketing is a good example I think a lot of maybe not a lot but some um indie developers are are taking this kind of rebel approach um, of yeah you know f marketing we're not going to do this and this is some Mm -hmm. some artificial bs and um and you guys have that weird company structure where everyone is co-ceo and it, it but you're you're you know that might indicate to some people oh they're idealist weird people who are against capitalism and don't hate money or you know that kind of weird thing but you really do embrace the the practicality of everything like marketing is important and it has its place and the uh you shouldn't make a game that is hard for the sake of being hard if someone if a jump needs to snap to the ledge uh when it it lands then you do that and these kinds of things. And even in the company uh, uh, structure, what makes all of this work? I don't know. Did you just find each other? And through that careful uh, recruiting process uh, where you try (laughs) to get people that are better than yourselves manage to create a team where everyone has that same uh, result-oriented vision? Or how does your chemistry work at, at Motion Twin? Is there something to it?
1: Uh, actually, we just do talk a lot, like a lot. <laughs> we do lots of meetings. Uh, it's really uh, every subject can be uh, discussed and every decision can be changed. So that's something that may feel like it's a little bit danger- dangerous and time-consuming. And yes, it is in some way. But um, as long as you consider any subject, even the ones that you don't like, for example, for me, it was really the marketing thing. was not something uh, I would embrace in, at any point. But I did for Dead sales because... Someone just explained me uh, that the good reason for doing it, and especially showed me uh, the good ways to do it. And you know, when you you don't like something, it's really better not to just okay, I I won't do it for. Uh, anything for any reason it's a better idea to just okay i will do it my own way and so when you make marketing for example if you don't like marketing that's that's okay but uh, you should consider then how you could make your own marketing in, um, in a good way for for you for your, your own karma so it's really it's really all about that uh, it's not about there, there is no reason when you work for, on a game for Two years and you, you, it's really, it it would be stupid to just say, okay, I, I did work like really hard on my game and I won't do anything to sell it. And because it's why, why just? Doing that's not for the sake of making a game. It's really you want to have a game, but you also want to have a player yes, actually yes. do play your game and maybe selling it if it's a, it's a paid game. So there, there is no really good reason for to actually ban marketing or anything like this. Yes. And so it's the same for every topic. So if there is no no reason for completely banning it, you should, should just um, try to do it your own way.
2: And um, in our decision, we always consider the um, the happiness of people in here. So when we make a decision, uh, uh, when I make a decision, uh, I need to to know that my 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 co partners are happy with this, and uh, I think it's the key. Was there ever a? So, as we
0: mentioned a couple of times, Thomas, you're the lead artist, uh, also co-CEO. Was there ever, and you know, artists are sometimes uh, um, divas and they have these ideas about how things will work and how this would be so much better, but the public just doesn't understand. And was there ever a, um, a moment where you thought something was really important and you really wanted to you know have it in the game or in the marketing material or a method of doing things and you got a meeting with everyone and maybe your idea got shut down or or you ended up convincing them like i i i can't imagine You know, the bane of every company, I think, is meetings, like a meeting when there's more than three people lasts forever. No one understands what you're trying to say. Everyone is just waiting to talk or even worse, uh, forced to say something to not sound dumb. Um, Did you have any any difficult meetings that ended up
2: resolving favorably or unfavorably or how do they work? At first, uh, the, the lead artist term is a joke because I was the only uh, graphist at the beginning of the project, so far. yeah, so I, th- I, th- I think it's the case for all I of them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and it's very funny because my Gwenaël, my the other the other lead artist uh, on this, right. says, uh, uh, arrived just after after me on the project. So <laughs> well, <laughs> it's he's also a lead artists.
0: Listen, I d- I never said you yes, were the um, um, only uh, uh, lead artist. Sorry.
2: Sorry. At, at the beginning, uh, I set uh, the, the art direction and uh, all, all kind of, te- of, of stuff uh, we need to, to make uh, the graphics uh, look good. But uh, after that, when he arri- arrived in Motion Twin, I said to him, you are now lead artist on your part. So deal with it. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I can help you. But uh, and I have a lot of animation to do and a lot of characters to do. So I let him do what he wants. Wanted mm. to to do so. We are two lead artists on that, so <laughs> it's of very weird to say, but it's the truth. And uh, what was your question? Ah, wait, oh. um, if, if it's difficult to 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 explain ideas to my team, yes, yeah, uh, yes, everyone is, has to agree to every decision. Uh, it seems like an unwieldy uh, process. Uh, but as a graphic artist, there is something very very efficient to convince your 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 teammate to to do something is just to draw it. It's it's simple as that. When sure. you have an idea, you can you can you can uh, explain it uh, for one hour how you want uh, the the sky uh, looks or uh, how do you want the light uh, to be in the game. Just just draw it and show it to your team, and if it's ugly, they will say it to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but so, you
0: didn't. You just trust them, their judgment, like th- their judgment, sorry. There wasn't a I moment their where...
2: Judgment and I trust mine when I show my team some drawings. I, um, I choose uh, wisely uh, which one I wanted to, to show them. Mm. Uh, I make a lot of, uh, of sketches, but I, I put a lot uh,
1: in the trash <laughs> before uh, show, to show them uh, to the team. Uh, uh, as he said, uh, everyone is a lead in, in its own um, uh, domain. And uh, it's, it's, the same, it's always the same when someone is actually, for example, the lead artist on the, on the animation or background. Um, when he says something, yes, we can have our own opinion, but in the end, he will decide. And he, Because it's really uh, the way that do, we do work. We don't have any kind of boss. We are more like everyone is a boss. But um, depending on the topic... Uh, you will have someone who will, who will have some sort of uh, lead on this because he's the one in charge of this. So sometimes everyone uh, will disagree. So that's can, that can still happen. But then in, the, in such a case, as this person should actually change or understand and uh, adapt. But um, most of the time when someone who is uh, in charge of something, uh, when he decides something, it's, it's quite a rare, rare situation that we actually uh, go in the opposite direction. Most mm-hmm. of the time, it's we just also have confidence because it, it, this is his job, so he might be good. Uh, we hope so.
2: <laughs> and uh, I think it's very easier to decide on your, on your, on your work when uh, you can use the, your teammates' intelligence hmm. to do this. H- how do you do that? You just uh, ask, ask them uh, what, what they think. And uh, you, you keep what you wanted to keep. And, uh, and uh, it's, if it's interesting, it's, it uh, helps you to decide.
1: Yeah, actually, I, I the, the process is something like uh, someone has an idea on on uh, any kind of topic, and it's a good it's good point, the good thing at this point is should I try to implement or to test or to prototype this idea in very rough thing. And uh, then after you should maybe ask to just one or two people in the team, what's, what do they think about this idea or topic or, and if, if, if it's uh, okay, then we go on meeting. So usually when you reach the meeting point, it's usually because, uh, either because there was really no possible decision and no one actually knows what to do. So that can happen, but it's not uh, that frequent. But most of the time, it's just because, okay, we are already experimented, uh, discussed about this. So it's just a matter of uh, validation. uh, And and approving, yeah. It seems
0: like there's... a a surprising amount of trust in the team you trust that when someone makes a decision unless you're like super opposed to it uh they made the right decision because they're competent and they have done their job in researching and prototyping and whatever so interesting Uh, uh
1: the, the, the key point, you know, it's because this person is paid the same, the same way as me. <laughs> so because this person is interested in, uh, in, the, in the success of the project the, the, exactly the same way as me, uh, it's, in, uh, it's obvious that this person is also trying to make the best game possible. So mm. that makes everything. So,
0: so I guess the one danger in that structure would be if someone is, is just you know, not working as hard and riding the, the coattails of the company uh, because they know they'll be paid no matter what. But I guess to counteract that, that, counteract that, if it's a small team, everyone knows each other. So there's motivation because you're working with your friends. But also, if you see that someone is not delivering the results, I guess, I don't know how it works exactly, but I guess something like a majority of the company can decide to to fire someone. And there's that Threats? Is Mm -hmm.
1: that the case or...
2: Uh, and, and yeah. some people could leave the company uh, yes most yeah. of the time <laughs>
1: happens like this when mm. someone actually feels bad in the company he actually just leaves by, by himself yeah. but uh, the thing is no one can hide anywhere <laughs> so mm. so 3D, uh, if you are if you are having a, any kind of issues in your job actually we everyone sees that quite quickly so when we have someone who has uh, for example who is tired and uh, is uh, doing shit in uh, his job we just ask him okay you should maybe go home and have some rest and come back next week. And we 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 just try to take care of everyone like this because we know because we are a small company. We we know that everyone is important, so we cannot afford to have someone burn out. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, our structure, our structure uh, and uh, organization comes with a lot of peer pressure. Mm-hmm. So we have to manage that uh, there is some people um, are very comfortable to talk in public. Uh, other, uh, not really. <laughs> so mm. we, it's, it's, it's not that uh, happy uh, all the time. Mm. Uh, we, we need to take care about that. And uh, yes, the burnout, the burnout issue is, is taken very seriously.
0: So did you manage, I guess you can't completely avoid uh, a crunch time, but did you manage to, to manage it well enough? Or did you uh, do you manage to go home at five or six every, every night? How, how does it work?
1: No, mm-hmm. no, not at all. We we did crunch a few times, but it was always something that people decided uh, by their own on their own. But uh, every time we did crunch, it was really the the, the most uh, stupid thing that we did. Uh, probably, of course, you sometimes have deadline and you have to comply to it because you have something to release or or some kind of um, patch to, pu- to push. Um, but most of the time, when we did uh, crunch, it was really not a good idea, and things didn't uh, went really right. So we, now we really try to avoid this as much as possible. And when we see someone who actually works during the weekend, we just ask him to stop <laughs> in a nice way. Because mm-hmm. uh, even if it's, uh, it, it might be productive in a very short term, uh, we know in the long term that it doesn't work. And mm-hmm. it creates uh, feelings of, OK, I do, more, I, I, I do um, give more to this project than my colleagues and this kind of bad idea. Which is something that we now now we know that we we have to uh, to avoid this kind of uh,
2: situation. The other problem with working on weekends is you work alone, and we need to work as a team. Mm. And and I guess you have
0: uh, all of these teachings have come through. How old is the company? Fifteen years, so you have Uh, experience there.
1: Yeah. we we used to have something which was absolutely terrible because uh, we we used to have a, a bot uh, internally. <laughs> it, 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 it was called Marvin, you know, uh, after the um, hitchhiking guy to the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yes. Um and uh, this this bot it was like uh, our um, uh, human resources bot uh, in the company, and actually you can you could uh, send him uh, uh, like a mail or something. You can you could report uh, on someone on, on this bot, and this bot was making the job of actually telling the team there there is an issue with uh, this person in the team, like but anonymously. It, it could, Exactly, mm. and we 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 did needed to we did need to to build this bot because because we are all bosses and everyone is uh, equal. It was really difficult to actually uh, when you had an issue with someone, especially when we were more uh, more people. Um, it was really difficult to actually actually uh, is it to actually understand is it an issue I just me alone have with this person mm-hmm. or is it more like a global issue that we should really discuss in a meeting and uh, this but the, bot, the job of this bot was to actually uh, sort of things uh, and making sure that is it a single report or is it like uh, the third report on this person so yes we should make a meeting yeah the tricky part when
2: you have a problem an issue with a, a teammate is that if we did not have this bot maybe i will try it. Um, to convince other people there there is an issue with this, mm. this one, but maybe i I am the only one with the mm. issue, so, yeah, I see well it's it's really a fascinating
0: thing, and it feels incredibly uh you know, almost communist in the implementation of the idea <laughs> that everyone is equal and at the same time extremely capitalist because everyone is making uh, all the money that the company is creating and working hard, fairly, but hard uh, to make a great product that you can sell. So it's a weird mix of, of uh, fairness and trust and hard work and everything. And I'm sure, you know, obviously... Even though you, you don't say so, you have very good marketing people that told you exactly what to say to present Motion T- Twin as this paradise company. But uh, <laughs> let's leave that aside for a second. I'm sure you have problems too, like every every company and every people in the world. Yeah. Um But there is one aspect which I do want to uh, uh, cover a little bit. You're going to have, or you're having now, a lot of money coming in the company. And as we all know, money does change things. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can't say how much money uh, is coming in and you're making, but we all know that it's a lot. So are you afraid that this will change the dynamic in the company? Like, how do you manage? You said very uh, clearly, you need to make sure you make another game uh, after mm-hmm. the, the one you release. How are you handling the, the big success, financial success of the game uh, with all of this?
1: Uh, it's, it's, it's divided in two parts, actually. There's one part which is uh, spread among the, um, everyone, the, like the every co-CEO and lead whatever in the company. And so this is a good part because uh, everyone is paid quite a lot, of course, uh, because we did have success. But we also, we, we know we, when we went on early access uh, with Dead Cells, as I said, the company was not in a good shape. And because we were turning away from the mobile and web uh, nightmares and we wanted to do something different and go on PC and console, uh, we, we knew at this point it was really a, a difficult situation for us. So we don't want to reproduce that. We want to make sure that now we did have a success. We don't really want to use this success to be sure that we can make another game, and another one after this one. So we do also uh, save uh, a lot of money just to make sure that we actually have enough um, and to... um, Uh, to we know that we have a few years uh uh, we can afford to make uh, the next game as good as possible because we are not in a too much in a hurry so it's really uh and also the the money that everyone is uh, getting from the game we also discussed about it a lot and that's something we also want to make sure that everyone is not like buying 10 cars and burning its money it's really important Yes, yeah, so you don't that, know that. I don't know. I, I, actually, I, I don't care. But that's something that we did discuss. That to make sure that it was also uh, money that was uh, important to uh, to use for mm. everyone to make sure that okay, you can feel safe and you can make your next game uh, in a quite a safe situation. You are not. Uh, you you don't have. Uh, you you can now pay the bills, so you can make your next game in a, a quite uh, comfortable situation.
2: I think um, the, the main problem will be uh, when. We all have uh, enough money to you you are not uh, you are not uh, obligé, um, forced, forced, forced yeah. to work that that's, that's uh, in my opinion the main issue, but um, honestly for me, uh, those number I, I was very happy with my president's salary, so those numbers <laughs> now uh, it's very uh, I don't know how to manage. Uh, it's, it, it means nothing to me because I was happy before <laughs> I was happy right. to work in with my, my colleagues and in motion twin. So now we, we love, uh, we love a lot about uh, money, but in, even if it's bad <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, uh, we are very, very lucky. And, uh, I think. I keep this in mind, there is a a lot of luck in Mm. our
1: story. Yes, uh, um, right now we are really thinking about the next things, and we know that we will probably fail on the next game, so I don't know, of course, I I really (laughs) hope we do success, but you know, it's uh, something where where luck, as I said, Thomas, is really part of the the, the thing, so maybe the next game will be like uh, an awful bomb and it won't work, and maybe the next one too, uh, we really don't know, so... Now, we, we think about it and we try to anticipate this possible failure and just making sure that uh, this money is not like uh, we don't uh, buy uh, tons of cars on boats. Right.
0: So, so you have the ability to make more than just one next game. And I, I mean, even myself, I love the game very much, but I completely understand that luck is a factor. and. Being a one-hit wonder is a real danger for a company, for any company, for anyone. Um, so it's it's good to hear that you are uh, aware of the possibility as well. And and I, I mean, if I'm being honest, and it's not because you're here, mm-hmm. I I think the core of the intent of the game is good enough that it means there's a a, a, a development team behind it that can do great things more than once. So I'm mm. hopeful there. But uh it's good that mm. you're taking precautions. That's really good to hear.
1: That's um, a, that's a- because it's uh, it was part of our story. Uh, even if people uh, are not uh, in, in Motion since since the beginning, I was, for example, and I do know that uh, the, the story of Motion Twin is really full of uh, really big successes in France and also huge failures. And so we, we know it's really the, the way a company works. It's not about making a game and just making it. It's really about making multiple games and making sure one of them succeeds.
2: And I think, uh in motion twin uh, we are able to take risks and uh, i think that's why we the the, the work is very cool <laughs> so i mean
0: the the thing that makes you different from every other company in this context is that you can't really scale the company even with all the revenue that's coming in now uh unless i misunderstand but i think you're happy with the size of the company now so you're probably not going to have another team or you know uh uh, uh, work on three games or scale the company to a larger size um so you're you're still going to be working in that small small team right
1: Mm-hmm. We, we hope so yes because even uh, as I said uh, previously even if it's uh, some kind of limitation it's also uh, it's also interesting because you have to optimize everything and you can make big things we, you can I think it's possible to make like an open world game or this kind of thing but you have to think it uh, uh, the motion twin way you have to think about it uh, and how we make uh, uh, like a big game for example with uh, such a small team and for example the animation it was uh, like uh, an obvious topic uh, for this, but it was how to make uh, uh, maybe I'm not sure twenty enemies and uh, maybe uh, thousands of frames of uh, animation for the main character uh, with uh, just one person. <laughs> so it's <laughs> really uh, about uh, how to make sure you, how you can make a big game with a small company.
0: Really interesting. Um, all right, we're we're gonna start wrapping it up. I have two questions okay. that should be really quick. Uh, first. Uh, as we mentioned, you're not going to be talking about your next projects, uh, uh, even though, you know, feel free to... If you're, you know, marketing, people understand the value of podcasts. So when you want to announce your next game, feel free to come back and uh, I'll, I'll be happy to host you for the the, the small audience <laughs> that I have. But seriously, though, uh, for Dead Cells, where are you? Is the Are you polishing things? I know that you're working on a... Um, uh, a more a smoother version of the uh switch version um mm-hmm. but is the development essentially over or are you going to add things to the game i guess is my first question <laughs>
1: Uh, for the switch, yes, we are working on uh, the performance update. There is a small one which is coming really uh, as soon as possible, maybe next month, I hope, uh, which is really a small fix, and so it won't change uh, things much, but it will actually make a few things better. And the big, uh, the big update for switch will uh, come a little bit uh, after, uh, which will change actually the engine to make sure that it works much better on um, on switch. Oh, so really? hopefully by. Okay. Yeah, so that's really a technical thing, but we have to, to come by the end of the year or something.
0: Okay, I, I do want to mention, uh, I know some people were uh, uh, complaining about it. I There mm. are a few frame skips sometimes from time to time, but I would really, yeah. it, it's minor. It seriously is minor, and I would still recommend the Switch as the version to get because of the things we talked about, so didn't want to mention mm. that.
1: Yes, and the, the, really, the next update, the next fix will actually, uh, at least, uh, patch a few major issues, like uh, the camera jumping away from the character suddenly or this kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, the, the obvious thing will be fixed. But the, the most, uh, the, the more complicated and uh, deep, uh, elements and uh, engine related things that will be fixed uh, maybe by the end of the year. And uh, apart from this, we're also working on two DLCs, two free DLCs. And the the first one should come live maybe in one month month or two. Uh, It will be like a a really huge uh, balancing update. We are uh, fixing tons of things and all the issues that uh, we couldn't fix on uh, the release date. And also balancing issues with the highest uh, difficulty modes and and then uh, after this update which will will be really gameplay oriented and content uh, not much content oriented and the next one will be actually more content oriented because we'll add uh, new bosses to the game and uh, new biomes to explore so it will come hopefully at the beginning of next year yeah yeah.
0: okay that's that's pretty cool actually it leads me to another question i'm sorry but Mm -hmm the there is a way to play the game which focuses uh, this is going to be interesting to people who already play it not those who don't but um if you focus on uh, purple updates and you use uh, um the the uh uh ah i can't find the words the weapons that you throw on the ground and that shoot the enemies yeah. from afar yeah the and and so you you focus on that and you go really high in the purple damage and um i was wondering from a gameplay perspective surely you have seen this uh mode of playing and it makes it a little bit easier um for for people who use that because they almost don't have to kill enemies themselves they just throw Mm -hmm. out the is that something that bothered you that you wanted to to alter or is it one of the ways to play the game and you're fine if some people choose to play like, like that
1: uh so, you know there is a paradox when you make turrets in a game or any kind of automatic yes, turrets. Uh, thank you, turrets. turrets. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <You're welcome. laughs> And uh, when you make turrets in a game, as a game designer, you are you always face the same issue, which is: uh, should the turrets actually be more powerful than the player? Because everyone wants that. But uh, as a game designer, most of the time you just say, "Oh no, I I, I just want to be a, a sidekick weapon, and the player should be the main damage dealer uh, in the in the game." But uh, at one point, I decided, "Oh, I think it's fine if you really want to play full-ranged weapons and you don't want to take part in the combat and you just want." to see your minions killing enemies. Uh, if it's okay, if it's um, it, yes, it makes the game slightly easier. But it's really the way th- that you want to play, uh, I'm fine with uh, that. But the, the issue here is not about uh, uh, this gameplay. It's really more about people feeling they are forced into this gameplay because they, they can't beat the game in, in any other way. So mm. it's really more about making sure that the two uh, other uh, direction should be actually um, should actually have their power play. In uh, in some way, uh, you should have uh, ways to play uh, and be really powerful if you do play Brutality or if you do play Survival it's really not about, uh, I just don't want to force p- p- a very advanced player to play in tactical builds because uh, it's uh, they, they, they cannot beat the game in any other direction, so it's mm-hmm. really more about this issue
0: Mm. I, I have to admit, uh, the, the interesting thing, though, is that playing uh, with a tactical build allowed me to get farther in the game where I had to become mechanically better because if I didn't, I would just get almost one shot. So it allowed me to progress, but then confronted with stronger enemies, I had to up my game in the core gameplay as well. So that was an interesting, it's it was almost like a crutch I I hold on to to progress but making me better in the process so that was an interesting way of doing things um all right thank you very much last question which has nothing to do with dead cells or motion twin um what are your favorite games of maybe this year we can uh uh you know uh, uh, slide to last year if you want to but what are your favorite games the games you're you're playing this year the games you can't stop playing when you're you know in your very reasonable work conditions going home at 5 every day with one of the most successful games of the year what do you play at home
2: um, I played a lot uh, with the uh, Monster Hunter uh, World mm-hmm. but uh, I can't really say it is my favorite game yet I didn't find it Uh, Yet, (laughs) so uh, I'm waiting for it. Maybe, Uh, maybe but the last game uh, that uh, completely uh, absorbs me uh, was uh, Skyrim. Oh, really? Skyrim? You mean Mm -hmm. the game from 2011? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because you hadn't played it before, or
2: no, no, I I did not find any uh, another game that could absorb my um, that could absorb my brain, uh, even if I'm not playing it. uh, since <laughs> like, okay uh, so yeah. you mean you played ah, it in... yes, yes. There, there is one near automata of course oh oh my god okay i i have but, things to uh, say about near automata not for the, the gameplay but for the narrative content
0: i did not like near automata which makes me a paria <laughs> of, of the internet but uh, let's not get into that
2: <laughs> I, I understand I, I i really don't like the the combat system in near automata but I... uh, it it it's it's really a game that moves me, uh, in the narrative content. I'm one of the few people that don't like the
0: gameplay or the narrative content, um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't talk about it too much because I get thrown you know tomatoes in the street if I do. Uh, cool. Okay. Uh, what about you, Sebastian?
1: uh for me i didn't play uh any game for long you know uh, as you grow older i think it's probably uh, the same for everyone but as you grow older you actually uh don't get interesting really for a long time in a game uh, because uh, you have your body stuff and everything but uh, for me the last one i did spend quite uh, quite a huge amount of time it was legend of grimrock you know the first one mm-hmm. uh, you, know, uh, you know this one yeah oh sorry yeah, Do, yeah, yeah, know
0: Le- Legend of Grimrock, oh, Le- yeah.
1: Mm. Yes, uh, they, actually there is someone who is uh, actually really crazy and he made a mod in Legend of Grimrock. He made uh, the old Dungeon Master game, the original one, actually fully playable in Legend of Grimrock 1. And uh, it was, uh, I did spend uh, a few weeks just playing it like uh, like crazy, because when I was a kid, I did play John Master, but it was really too complicated for me. I didn't get anything, especially because it was in English also. And uh, it was really a, a huge thing for me to actually play it uh, from the beginning till the end. Uh, and, uh, even if it was on uh, uh, Legend of Gr- Grimrock Engine, it was really very close to the original experience. So... Uh, yeah, I think it was this one. And before that, it was Metal Gear 5. So, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I didn't spend, I did try really tons of recent titles, but uh, I do, I didn't spend that much time in them.
0: Okay. So we have uh, Skyrim on one uh, on one end and uh, Dungeon Master mod in Grimrock. On <laughs> the other. You know, I thought Thomas went a little bit far uh, away in time, but uh, you you managed to beat him. So well done. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much uh, for spending an hour and a half uh, speaking to me and answering my dumb questions. It was really fascinating. Um, Is there anything you want to tell the audience as we close it off? Or maybe, you know, I mean, Motion Twin, you have a website, uh, Dead Cells, everyone knows the game, go play it, go buy it if you haven't already. But anything else you want to tell people?
1: Uh, Sure, We, we don't talk about the next project. <laughs> because nobody, nobody knows what we, it
2: will be. Uh. <laughs> so, so no, uh, I, I just want to say uh, thank you uh, to all uh, our players that hmm. that it sells tons of hours. <laughs> we have some stats uh, and. Uh, it's crazy.
1: <laughs> and especially for the feedback. That's not something that we expected when mm. we went to Early Access, but it was really uh, so many feedbacks that were really on point on, in terms of gameplay or design on, or whatever. And the, so that was really amazing and really great experience. Mm. I, I would I would love to make another Early Access title. This is a big discussion for, for the next project, mm. uh,
2: if it will be an Early Access or not, because, you know, when you have 100,000 uh, thousand players that make the QA with you, uh, you have a better game at the, en- uh, at the end. So, uh, yes, a big discussion. But I mean, we can talk about
0: But so you, you might uh, go early access for the next game, not because you want to sell the game, but because, oh, well, I mean, that's always a bonus, but because you get such valuable feedback for the development of the game. That's... <clears throat> Yeah, we
2: we, we pass uh, the the QA uh, for console uh, like nothing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was very easy because because hundred players helps us to to make this great. Uh, very, this game very great.
0: Well, thank you for uh, enabling those players to let uh, you make this game so great because I really like the the game itself. So thank you for making it. Uh, Thank you for spending time with me. Thank you to the listeners for listening in. We will be back very soon with another regular episode of the show. Um, If you want to uh, comment, you can go to frenchspin.com to comment on this uh, episode. If you speak French and you enjoy... Uh, gaming and gaming shows you can listen to le rendezvous Jeu, which i do in french you can also listen to le rendezvous tech which talks about tech news and which i do in french as well so i hope you enjoy that my uh twitter handle is not patrick i will include those of our guests in the show notes as well if you want to go pester them on twitter and i will talk to all of you very soon thanks for listening bye